Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mavs Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaron. What is up? Today, we're going to be talking about the Mavericks Summer League team. We're going to be doing a full recap of how their 0-5 Summer League little season, or whatever you want to call it, went. And we're also going to be getting into some fake trades the Mavericks could be doing with the Utah Jazz. Um. These would be obviously happening with the Donovan Mitchell fallout. So let's get into a few names that we find interesting, what the Mavs could potentially send out, and if any of these would actually be applicable. But before we get into anything today, we're going to go ahead and give you a quick sponsor from our uh, newest ad, Anchor. All right, Jaren, so getting into it, um, general thoughts on the Mavericks after their 0-5 little summer league who are some um, of the players that stood out to you the most? Stood out to me the most. Okay. I think we have to start with the best. And no, it's not Jane Hardy. Uh, my favorite player by far was AJ Lawson. He, he like, just a good all-around basketball, basketball player. He, um, great 3 and D guy. Uh, knows his space. Know, knows his spot on the floor. Like, he, he works well in the system. That's If you could sum up one thing about him, he works well in the system. Um, you know, I think it was I think it was the Bucks game. He had a pretty bad shooting night. Um, but even still, he controlled his shot. He only shot, like, I think five shots that game. Um, and it's like he's not going to – he's probably going to be on a two-way contract, so he's not going to get any more than that a night. But even still, like, he's controlling his shots whenever he's having a bad night. Uh, he's getting to good spots on the floor. Like he, the thing is, he's shooting over fifty percent in four out of those five games. Like, there's he's fun to watch too. He does everything right. Cuts to the basket. Um, you know, he shoots the ball really well from three. Uh, plays really good defense. Like he's by far my favorite player. What do you have to add to that? Um, no, I completely concur. Um. What I got from A.J. Lawson throughout Summer League was that he was just a really good all-around player. And in a – you know, in Summer League, a lot of guys are trying to create for themselves and just show off as much as they can. And for him to, like, really kind of come in as this sort of, like, 3 and D cog on the Mavericks Summer League team but still be yeah. their leading scorer was really interesting to me. I really enjoyed watching him play just the sort of – you know, he's always in the right spot at the right t- time. He's constantly exactly. cutting. Um, move without the ball well in that first game. He was a, he was me, he was making threes on the run, which I was just really impressed by. He's really consistent throughout his summer league uh games. Um, even though he didn't really replicate anything from that first game where he had like twenty eight points and made like six threes, he was still scoring about fifteen to twenty points a game. Um and um he was a great on-ball defender and knew his spot on defense and seemed like he was rotating well. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, this is definitely a guy that I'm looking for the Mavs to hopefully offer a two-way spot or potentially even that last roster spot. I, I wouldn't mind that whatsoever, given how he played in summer league. I mean, at the bare minimum, a camp invite. Um, I believe it was in that second game that Jason Kidd talked about when he was on the broadcast for 
and Greg Anthony and um the other woman know. who was doing it for ESPN. Yeah, I, was like, I don't know who the other announcer. Yeah, sorry, sorry about that if you're listening. <laughs> um, but they had him on the broadcast, and he, Jason Kidd, talked about well, you know, you know, he'll he'll get a spot on something if we don't offer him. So it does give me a little fear that the Mavericks won't necessarily um, pitch an offer to him, and they might let him get swooped up because they I don't know why that might be. I think he, you know, you can always use extra three and D wings. But based on what I saw in summer league, I hope he really gets a. I really hope he gets that other two way spot with the Mavericks, if the uh, Tyler Dorsey report is true, or even that last roster spot because can't get enough of these guys. And the way he showed out in those five games shows that he's definitely an NBA player in my opinion. Unless I'm missing something here. No, yeah, he's he's definitely NBA ready from my point of view. From everything that I watched, he does everything right. I really didn't see. I mean, maybe there's a handful of times he took stupid threes. Um, but really just with with reps, with veterans, that's going to get you in places. And, like, the, the thing is, is this guy's game is only going to go up, I feel like. So that's why I feel like giving this guy a two-way spot. Or I think it's kind of funny how at the beginning of Summer League, whenever he had that 28-point game, at, like, everybody was like, well, like, we still have a 15th spot open. Could it be – could it be AJ Lawson? Um, I think everybody was kind of no, like hell no, please don't. And now, now it's kind of open up to the possibility. Like this guy can play ball. Um, he is really good, and like you said, you can't get enough of three and D wings, especially on this Mavericks roster. No, hundred um, percent. He was definitely the biggest winner on this Maverick squad in terms of how yeah. he played. Um. I don't really have much to add beyond that, except for I didn't the fact see, that I really – I didn't see a whole lot of bad. That, like, that's no, a, yeah. I mean, we're not like – we're not saying that A.J. Lawson's going to come in and be this extravagant role player for the Mavericks, like, just right off the bat. But, I mean, he really impressed me from the standpoint of knowing how to play within his role, and I think that translates really well, especially how well he played in his role. Um, So that's what I think I'd – like most excited about in terms of his potential, his potential in terms of getting onto the um, big league squad. So next up, we'll obviously go with the um, fan favorite Jaden Hardy, as many F- MFFLs have already clinged to him after it's the Mavericks traded for him. It's a Hardy party after yeah. the Mavericks traded for him with the thirty seventh pick. You know he's pretty highly touted going into summer league. Um. What did you like and what didn't you like from Jaden Hardy in the summer league? So, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot that you can pull and you can say you dislike, but then there's a lot that from those dislikes that you can say that you like because you can work on them. Um, now, clearly, there's a lack of decision-making, which you can work on. Um, there's, I guess, just a lack of – I don't even want to call it dribbling – like, I guess it's like general awareness, awareness. Yeah. Like it goes into that decision-making spot. Um, but one thing, like we're constantly told this, like one thing you can't coach is effort. And he showed effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even on his frustrating nights, he showed effort. Um, and really like he, he had a bunch of curveballs, curveball thrown his way. Like he's a guy that's not going to be playing 10 different roles every night. Like he was in the summer league. He's going to have a defined role. 
I, like we don't know what that role is. I think that's why we were kind of playing him every role you possibly could. Right. Um, but he's going to find a role. He's going to find a rhythm in this team. Uh, he's going to get minutes, I feel like, especially with how the roster is currently built. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was I was really impressed. Like with the games, of course, that he had on, which the first and the last game, uh, he definitely started really strong and ended really strong. I I liked what I saw. Of course, the, you know, that, I guess, three-game stretch was a little underwhelming. Um, but even still, like, he showed he showed that he has potential. It's just sometimes the shots weren't falling. Sometimes it's bad decision-making. But like I said, like, this, this is a bad summer league roster, and he's being asked to do a lot. No, I completely agree. I thought you brought up a really good point in terms of him having it more defined role, regardless of what his role is with the Mavericks, whether that be getting five minutes a game to 15 minutes a game, he's going to be either, you know, he's going to be a guard off the bench and he's going to be asked to create versus in summer league. And, you know, they could play, have him playing off ball, but he did have to, you know, play a lot of, fill a lot of different cogs for the summer league team. And he was seen as, you know, player 1A on our summer league squad and was given like, a lot of the responsibilities and putting a lot of different actions by Greg St. Jean and later Jared Dudley when he started coaching. Understandably so, because you want to see how he's going to fare in some of these actions. But from what I could, you know, Jaden Hardy, in my opinion, his potential is off the roof. I mean, there were, you know, just flashes in terms of like his dribble package and how he got to his spots and how he got to mid-range shots and even step-back threes that you're like, wow. I mean, this dude could be a future all-star one day. Not to jump the gun or anything, I'm not saying he will, but like you, you see those flashes in his game. You can see it, yeah, yeah. And then, but then you have many instances of you know him just making boneheaded turnovers, or even in that last Lakers game, I believe he just like got the inbounds pass from the ref and walked yeah. straight into the court. <laughs> that, like um, I don't even know if you call that a mistake. That's just yeah, that that's just like bad mental awareness. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I'm not going to knock him for that. I mean, hey, that's whatever. He knows. Um, yeah, no, he, he he knows that he's screwed up there. If he doesn't, then, well, that's a bigger problem. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, and just, like, shot decisions and um, just the type of passes he throws. Like, I remember in that second game versus Utah, he tried to go dunk on Taco Fall and just got, like, violently rejected to the floor. There's just a lot of awareness of, I think, for him especially, just, you know, when he is able to figure out, hey, how can I make this possession smarter by me either, A, passing, or B, you know, figuring out a way to get to a spot where I can take a better shot versus just trying to do everything in one play. I think that's where his game's going to take the next step. And I don't really think that's necessarily going to be a linear process. I think that could take time. And, hey, I don't know how many years it's going to take. It could take months. It could take years. It sounds cliche. It could take weeks. I mean, we really don't know. <laughs> it could take days. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I believe he is a project, um, and, you know, until proven differently. But he could really come into his own one day. And I'm excited for his potential. But at the same time, I still think that there's a lot of, you know, disciplinary things and, awareness type things that he's going to have to figure out and shot decision making things and or not or yeah 
So, you know, like with that sort of time, we'll come better, better decision making from him. But when he figures that out, I think he'd be really good. Yeah. Like the thing is, is he has the surrounding cast around him, like coaching staff and players uh, to be great, in my opinion. I think, like, of course, there's a learning curve. Um, there's a learning curve, and it's going to take time, like you mentioned. Um, but he has the cast to be a guy, whether off the bench or starting, that can give you pivotal minute, minutes. And like you said, like, I don't know if we're going to see it this year. I don't know if we're going to see it next year. But I, I'm confident that we'll see it sometime in his career where he's he's a guy that gives you valuable minutes. Um, it's going to be fun to see. So his mid-range shot, like I was really impressed by when it wasn't, when it wasn't on, it wasn't. And when it was on, it was like, there's really no in between. Um, but that's going to be a shot that is going to be fun to watch develop. Uh, his in transition offense was just amazing watching. It was no, he yeah, really never to control the pace when he, he had a variety of Euro steps and things of that nature that he got to in transition. And what also surprised me is how he used his strength. Yeah. And that, that was, I think the in transition transition offense and just how he got to the hoop, like with using his strength, that was like, I didn't realize how good he was at doing that. Yeah. That was two things that I circled that were probably, I guess the most eye popping uh, numbers or possessions that I noticed. Um, Let's see. I think he got to the foul line. Like I'm probably exaggerating here. I want to say he got to the foul line like 11 times or 12 times in that first game. No, he uh, versus Chicago. got all summer league. He had quite a bit of free throw attempts. He's, I mean, summer league, they let a lot of calls go too. So I was really impressed by his continued attack mentality and just to be able to draw fouls. I mean, that was a really, it's a really acquired skill, especially for a young player. Yeah. Like, and he's not small either. Like he's six, four. I didn't like, again, like you said, I didn't realize how strong he was, but he seems strong. He can finish around the hoop around big guys. It's just that awareness of who you're going up against. Like, why are you going to go dunk on a seven, six taco ball? Like that. Although if that dunk did go through or layup, yeah. whatever it was like, that well, I mean, there's certain guys that like can do that, but while Jaden Hardy is athletic and pretty athletic at that, I mean, he is no like Dennis Smith jr. Or anything, you know, there's, only a very select few guys that can like actually do that. So just understanding himself and what he's capable of and developing upon a few different areas, particularly like passing and dribbling and operating in the pick and roll is really going to do wonders for his game. And also I was really impressed with what I saw defensively. He looked like he stood his ground, was using his wingspan, was giving effort on that end. Something that we didn't always see at the, on the G league ignite team. And, you know, given that he has a 6'9 wingspan, that was something that he that, – that'll help him earn minutes a lot in this match rotation if he can just be coming and defend some guards, um, even Not if it's total, an offensive like, game. You know, Just as long as he isn't a total liability. like mm-hmm. Which I think he was, an, he was a net positive on defense in summer league, in my opinion. No, I agree. Uh, he definitely had some lackluster defensive possessions. Mm-hmm. But the possessions that he wasn't, he really proved, like, you know, if he gives full effort, like this guy, he's not bad defensively. Like he's not amazing, but he's not bad. He'll give you a steal game. Exactly. 
And, um, you know, just being more attentive off ball is going to help him. But on ball defensively, he looked pretty good to me. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so, yeah, it was, was definitely not like over the moon, oh, wow, Jaden Hardy is the Jalen Brunson replacement, like kind of like how some MF, MFFLs were overreacting on Twitter after that first game versus the Bulls. But I definitely saw the, the vision after these five summer league games, and I don't hate it. So, anyways, do we, do we want to rate it? Do we want to rate the pick so far? I feel, I like, feel like it's too early, but if we're gonna do a just summer league, just summer league, <laughs> a precursing, a precursor, Jaden Harder. Oh my God, Jaden Hardy, <laughs> Jaden Hardy rating. Bef- before um, the season starts, I'm gonna go seven point five out of ten. Oh, we're doing out of ten. Um, yeah, yeah, I was gonna go in that like C range, so I'd go like 7.2, 7.4, like somewhere, around. yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. I agree. The potential, alone especially, could... I mean, like, because if the Mavs would have selected him at 26 and they never made the Christian Wood trade, that'd be a whole different story, yeah, I agree. But the fact that they got him where he's at, it's a low risk, high reward, so you know, I can't knock the pick too much. It's close to a B, I like it so far. Let's see, I, I want to see how it continues to do, especially in the season. I'm excited. So, next up, uh, Moses Wright. And we're only going to get into sort of the main guys on the roster that we could see getting an Exhibit 10 deal or a training camp invite or a two-way deal. You know, we're not going to go, you know, like we did on our summer league previews. We won't go too in-depth into some of the more um, – or the, some of the bench guys that, you know, we really don't know how to shot. They're kind of just on the roster to be there. Guau Howen or Gio Howen, I forget. Yeah, <laughs> like guys like that. Something Quaff or whatever his last name was. I could yeah. never forget his first name. So, I guess next up we'll go with uh, Moses Wright. What do you think of his um, summer league game as a whole, and how he sort of reconciled himself after the first couple games? Yeah, it, it was the first three games. Was definitely you could see the defensive potential. Um, like he had some monster blocks in those first three games. Uh, he was a really good rim protector. Uh, just a liability though, face to face, like outside of the paint kind of defense. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a liability. He's just slow. Um, really didn't see a whole lot on offense in those first three games. You know, like, I, like really the pick and roll wasn't even a thing at that time in that offense. No, giving giving him credit, he was playing very out of position. Like no, he's I agree. Center. He's either a four or three. It's just the way he gets his. So now I guess it's forwarding into the last two games. The way he gets his buckets are very center esque, and that's not his role. Like, if he wants to have an NBA player role, it it, it can't. Like he's got to develop a shot. Mm-hmm. Like we saw a little bit of a shot here and there, but it was just, yeah like low percentage um yeah he's got to develop too confident shooting the three or facing up in the mid-range area anything like that yeah like the way he got his buckets which i'm not going to knock him like the pick and roll like especially the way he run it or not he didn't run it but like the way he rolled i guess like he looked really good like that's definitely where his bread and butter is especially Um, for his size it was impressive yeah um he can finish really good around the rim like if he could just get a dribble 
like a slasher, like a dribbling in and then finishing around the rim, he could have some potential. Um, because it's there on defense. It's just yeah, he is kind of hard pressed. Like he can't catch then dribble. He's more just a strict roller, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like the it's just I don't know. He has a game with what his figure is. Like I think he's like six eight, six nine. Mm-hmm. Like his his figure just doesn't translate to his position. And mm-hmm. for that alone, I just don't think his game can translate into at least valuable minutes in the NBA. Um, he gives good effort though. I will admit, like that's one thing that I like. And it, he doesn't ever get frustrated, from what I can see. Yeah. And that's not to say that there can't be like an undersized center in the NBA. Like we'll get to a guy in Justin Gorham who we think could play that role to a certain extent. But with Moses Wright, you know, barring the when he gets beat on defense, he recovers with his length and gets a kind of block. He doesn't literally play bigger than his size. And that's what we're kind of talking about in the vein that he's not going to be able to that he's playing out of position then. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm. So I'd love, you know, I still think he has some sort of potential. And given the very limited sort of talent on this Maverick Summer League roster, if the Mavericks were to sign AJ Lawson, for instance, onto their main roster or he ends up leaving, I would not mind Moses Wright getting that last two way spot. He's very deserving. At least get a camp invite or a legends invite because he shows flashes of different things and he has great length and. You know, while he can be slow-footed at times, he does show defensive potential, and he has, his length helps him recover a lot. It'll just be interesting to me because, you know, I like you said, I feel like he has to develop a shot for anything to really materialize for him at the next level. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, we'll see how that all ends up playing out. Uh, next, we'll go ahead and get into a guy in Marcus Bingham, uh, seven-foot center. What did you see from Marcus Bingham um, throughout summer league and – what do you think he has to do to be able to stick at the next level? Yeah, I guess I'll start. Like, towards the beginning, I really wasn't all too impressed. Uh, I think once he kind of got more acclimated into the system and the way – what is, I guess, playing basketball. Like, those guys, I mean, what, they get two days to practice with each other and then they're playing. Right, exactly. Like, I think he took some time to get acclimated, which is probably the same case for everybody on that team. Right. Um. But, yeah, like, he just took some time. Once he got ready, once he got, like, good minutes, I, I really saw the potential. Like, I, I really like the guy. Um, Now, is he worthy of a two-way or even an NBA spot? No, I don't think so right now. I think he's going to take some years to develop in the G League. Um, But, yeah, like, I guess going with his play alone, like, his defense and rim protecting – like a plus like that's a guy athletic he can block a shot anywhere like anywhere around the rim like he can block a shot he's, he's really, really long recovery help defender yeah exactly like he's he's got defensively like he's he's got the potential there and we we saw that in the g or not g league jesus in the summer league um offensively though that's where the question marks are coming um you know, we saw a three-point shot in college. I think he shot 42% or something like that. Yeah. And that, like, again, I don't know if it's just kind of, you know, warming up. He wasn't, like, warm or anything, else, like, summer league. But I just did not see a three-point shot whatsoever. Uh, I believe he only made 
one, maybe two shots all summer league. Yeah, I mean, his uh, form looked really good, but I don't know. There was just definitely some hesitant, hesitancy when you'd watch him shoot. And, you know, I can tell that the stroke is there, but it's just a matter of confidence to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I did not fall in summer league, which is concerning because, you know, a lot of scouts did talk about how they're concerned about his shot translating at the next level. So that'll be interesting to see. I really think that's his sticking card in the NBA. Um, while he is a really good rim protector, as we referenced, he is not a good one-on-one defender um, whatsoever. You know, despite him being really athletic vertically, a really good vertical athlete, um, he does have a tendency to get really slow-footed when having to guard guys. And he's one of those dudes I could easily see like getting blown past at the next level. So that's some, you know, may st- some stuff you may need to work on. But, you know, I feel like his calling card is definitely a stretch five who's rim protector. So, yes. you know, if he can really hone in on the shot side of that, I think um, he might have a place in this league one day. And, you know, he's obviously on an Exhibit 10 deal with the Mavericks, so we'll be real interested to see how he fares in training camp and in preseason, and, you know, if he can earn a spot with the Legends or potentially even that Mavericks two-way spot. You never know. Um, yeah, I mean, at this point, we never know. Like, I think Lawson's a given two-way or roster spot. If Moses right don't let him go for some reason. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I, I, that's another discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, like Moses Wright, I don't know how this Tyler Dorsey thing is. I haven't seen anything other than that one day. Yeah, ever since that one day, I haven't seen anything. Um, so I mean, really, like, I wouldn't mind giving him a two way if every like if worst comes to worst, like, I wouldn't mind giving it to him. Uh, his dad actually coaches – I believe he's the head coach or assistant coach for the Westchester Knicks, I think is what they're mm-hmm. called. Um, so that alone, I think, just gets some, some recognition in basketball world. Um, but just yeah, potentially – like another guy to lose to the Knicks, right? Uh, we see year after year. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's – uh, I think it's a common trend at this point. So might as well add to the list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like i he's a guy i think you stick in the g league or get this two-way spot uh and he develops his game like he's gonna be fun to watch i wouldn't mind if he does get that g league roster spot hopefully for the legends i wouldn't mind going a few games he would be a guy that i circle down to watch um so yeah i mean that alone like i think he'll get a g league spot at the very least yeah with, with some team all right we'll run through a, a few of these guys um I got three guys. Let me know if you have any more for me that you think are worthy of potentially making any sort of noise with the being on the Mavericks G League team or with a two-way spot. Derek Alston Jr., Jarek Harding, Alessandra Pahola, actually four, and Justin Gorham. Just t- talk me through those dudes real quick, what you saw from them in Summer League. And if you can see them sticking anywhere in the Maverick system at all. So, like, Derek Alston Jr., I'm pretty – like, he didn't – I think his worst game was uh, that Lakers game. Shot, like, 27% or something. But aside from that, like, he, I see the potential. Like, he looks good on offense. He looks fluent on defense. Like, he's got a good, decent game all around. Uh, of course, there's like some gaps here and there. Yeah, I just uh, feel like he doesn't really specialize in any one thing. No, exactly. Like he's not great in anything. 
Yeah. Um, like I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him on a G League roster. Uh, like I, I wouldn't mind if, you know, the legends maybe pick him up. I wouldn't mind if another team picked him up. He's not a guy that you like shake your head about losing. Um, I mean, of course, like he barely, he like he played probably 10 minutes a game. Um, the potential's there though. Like, it, like you said, like he just doesn't have a, he doesn't really have a great spot in his game, but he doesn't have a bad spot in his game. No, I concur. And, you know, he definitely needs to add a little more to his frame at, at the next level. He is relatively skinny, but his link does re- bode really well for him. And I think if he could figure, as you know, the shot was here and there and, you know, he seemed like he was a really good cutter and he was in the right place at the right times a lot. It's just a matter of his, if his defense, you know, will be consistent at the next level, if he'll get pushed around too much. And if he can form any semblance of a shot, I think it's, you know, is his calling card per se. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, Justin Gorham, what did you see from him? What do you think he needs to do to stick with the Mavericks um, or their farm team or whatever? Like, Gorham, like I said, farm team. Um, <laughs> Gorham, like, I don't know. He, there's definitely some development there. I really like what he gives on the table effort defense and rebounding like those are things that you don't see a whole lot in today's nba um there's definitely an offensive gap that he needs to fill in somewhat um he's a really good roller and and even like the short roll he's able to work out the post a little and get his way to the rim you know i do see the potential there as a small ball five um it's just a matter of the fact is like, I don't know if the three point shot is consistent enough to be a small ball five. And, you know, you'd like to see maybe a little bit better rim protection. You know, he is extremely undersized. I mean, I could see lineups where, you know, that vision where people have that vision for him, but you know, at the same time, he is kind of more of a wing as well. Yeah. I don't know. I do like him as a player. I just think another team takes a swing on him. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know where his role is necessarily, but I would not hate him getting an invite to training camp or getting um, playing with the legends for any by any means. I mean, I just – he's got to improve upon certain things if, you know, he really wants to, you know – and I'm not even saying that he has to find a defined role because, you know, you look at a guy like Draymond Green, for instance. I'm not comparing to him by any means, by the way. But, I mean, this guy can be considered a wing and a small ball five. But Gorham just, you know, he's obviously not the ball mover and the passer that Draymond is. He's nowhere near the defender. While he is a, you know, stolid little stout defender. He's not little, obviously. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) But, um, you know, but, you know, he just has to improve upon a few things if he really wants – because. You know, as a small ball five, you have to do so many things right to compensate for your size. And, um, you know, he's a little more slow-footed, so is he a wing? You know, like, just finding that sort of balance, I think, is key for him in his NBA career. But I would not be surprised to, you know, see him pan out somewhere at some point. But, you know, I yeah. just do think he is a little raw. And um, if he could crack the – I mean, not you know – if he could get on the legends, 
Um, I would not be surprised or get a training camp invite. I would also not be surprised. But I do think, you know, out of these, this little bunch, he is, you know, one of the guys with the longer shots in terms of, you know, finding his place with the Mavericks at all. Agreed. Um, so in terms of Alessandro Pahola, uh, what do you think of his game uh, out of Italy? There's rumors that he's probably just going to go back, but what did you like out of, you know, him and his passing and some of the other things he brought to the table? Yeah, I mean, Paola looked really good uh, passing-wise, like facilitator. He looked like he, – he knew what he was doing facilitating. He's a really good all-around point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he has some sneaky defense. Like, he does. Yeah, like you don't necessarily see that figure and you're like, that guy's good at defense. But he, he had some good possessions. Like, no, he, has, he competes and he was – I mean, he's – He's sneaky quick as well. He's like not slow at all. Huh. Yeah. Um, I mean, like you said, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to Italy. Like that's the way it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, it like he has some things to develop, but like really all around, like I, I was for, I think a bench guy. Like I was probably the most impressed with him for off the bench. No, I agree. I mean, for him, it's just like being more assertive, like. I feel like he didn't, you know, create for himself whatsoever. And he was kind of just deferring a little too much. Like he did overpass a lot at times. Um, but I mean, he is a really good passer and I wouldn't be surprised to see him make the jump to the, to the NBA at some point, but you know, um, good defender, but he just had, I just didn't see enough from him in terms of his shooting or his confidence in that matter, or just any sort of being able to, any semblance of like driving to the basket or anything like that. But, you know, overall I did not hate him. And I, you know, I wouldn't be like surprised if he got a training camp invite for the Mavericks. Yeah. Um, but like I said, he is, you know, is a long shot to stick with Mavericks or the legends or anything like that. But, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't hate it. Um, and next up, this is uh, our last guy. It's going to be Jarek Harding. Um, do you think this guy has any sort of so- uh, shot at, Sticking with the Mavericks or the Legends, um, you know, the under the Rick Carlisle regime, the sort of three guard lineups he'd run stuff with, you know, six foot point guards. It seems like Jared like, Harding is just the next coming of Yogi Ferrell. Um, exactly. Like, I feel but, like the Mavericks, this is a Mark Cuban thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mavericks, you know, the, they like these little 10 day contract guys that you can put on that are six foot straight scores like <laughs> Quinn cook, Yogi Farrell. I feel like there's one other that I'm missing. Oh, uh, no, nah, I got you. I got you. I got you. Um, Jonathan Gibson. One. Yeah. John, okay. Jonathan Gibson's a good one. Yeah. And then there was, there's one more, but I don't want to spend too much time trying <laughs> to find, find the name. Like just in that sense, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a G league spot. He's a natural score. Like, oh, yeah. Crazy good score, even he, for his he, height. For his size, he is he's insanely fast, knows how to create space well. For me, the only reason I wouldn't, you know, jump the gun and be like, oh, you know, he's for sure getting one of those spots in the Mavericks. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, the Mavericks do need shot creation. And could Jared Harding, you know, compete for one of these spots or get a G League invite? I mean, or get it, you know, play on the Legends or get a training camp invite and compete. I wouldn't put it past him. You know, he's been down a lot before he came from a smaller school in Weber State. 
Um, it's really impressive what he's doing. I just think a matter for me, it was like inconsistency because for every like really good performance he had in summer league, you know, the next game, he seemed to kind of fall off a lot and didn't um, and seemed to be like severely hindered by his size. Um, but besides that, I mean, he did look really good at times. So I wouldn't put it past him that he might get on the Mavericks G League team or even get a training camp invite. But, you know, because of the inconsistency, I just don't know if he's going to be pining for one of those two-way spots with the Mavericks. I Yeah, like, I don't know. Just I, I don't think he is – um the potential's there though like he's a good he's a really good score finishes well around the rim rim for his size um it's just the consistency's not there like you said um and that alone i wouldn't be surprised if he gets a g-league spot i believe he's a rookie um yeah he is yeah okay i couldn't remember yet any professional um but yeah i mean he's a rookie like stick him in the g-league see what he does like he's a guy that could probably give you 30 points no exactly like i wouldn't be surprised to see that kind of stat line at some point this year if he is on the legends or some sort of g league roster yeah no i concur all right so moving on to the next segment we're going to be talking about the mavericks potential trades they could do with the jazz um given the donovan mitchell fallout if that comes into fruition which all signs point towards him getting shipped at some point to um likely the Good old New York Knicks, our favorite. Our yes, favorite. So, Jaron, uh, just give me a few of the guys from the Jazz that you could see the Mavericks trading for. Um, and then we'll get into, like, actual trades that we could, you know, potentially iron out through each of those dudes. Yeah. All right. So, I have names and I have the amount of money that they're making for the 22-23 NBA season. Um, so first up, we got Jordan Clarkson making around $13.3 million. Um, I think that's a guy that's gettable. Uh, I think the guy that's un, I guess the hardest to get is, uh, Jared Vanderbilt. He's making around 4.3 million. Um, Patrick Beverly, 13 million. Mike Conley, which is the biggest contract out of these 23 million. Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, 19.5 million. That's the second largest. And then Malik Beasley is making 15.5. All right. So I guess starting, I guess we'll go ahead and start with Mike Conley. He's making the most. He's the elder statesman, I guess. So they were, well, Bogdanovich, about the same age. Yeah. I was like, Bogdanovich, I think is the oldest, but yeah. So, um, would you, first of all, would you want Mike Conley fit wise on the Mavericks? And what sort of package do you think the Mavericks could? Um, sort of finagle together to get Mike Conley. Yeah, I, I would personally, I would love Mike Conley fit wise. The money that he's making and what he showed in the playoffs last year are a huge turnoff, though. That's that's the turnoff point for him. Um, like I just love fit wise that first that first guard off the bench. I think is what role he would likely be playing, uh, and that that's just perfect for what he gives. Um, Was now, very- what kind of He's still a really good defender for yeah, yeah, exactly, his size. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what kind of package package I would give for him? So you're going to have to give a guy that has a lengthy contract, like a Tim Hardaway or a Davis Bertans, just for the salaries to work out. Um, I, I really think, honestly, Tim Hardaway 
and that 2027 first-round pick would probably be the absolute least that you could give up. I don't know if I feel comfortable giving up that first, though, for a guy that's that old and making that much money. And just had, a, um, you know, a lackluster playoff performance. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I guess if you could swap out that first, would you be comfortable giving Josh Green and arguably Frank Nielakina in that? I don't know if Josh Green and Frank Nielakina would work out money-wise. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it would work out money-wise. But Actually, it might. I don't know if it, it – it might be slightly out of the range, but, one of you know, Josh Green and Tim Hardaway Jr., yes, I would definitely do that. The only reason I'm hesitant to give up picks from the Mavericks is not from the value play of it. Like, it's just a standpoint that the Mavericks, I feel like, really need to conserve picks for the trade that happens when Luka Doncic potentially is on the verge of leaving and the Mavericks have to be like, oh, crap, we need a trade for a second star now or we're screwed. Yeah. And I feel like they're going to need both their 2025 and 2027 first-round picks because they cannot they – they don't have their 2023 pick as of now. And they can't trade their 2024 pick until draft night of 2024 because of the stepping rule. So, for that reason, just in terms of Bogdanovich and Conley, I'm really hesitant to give a first-round pick because they're older guys. Agreed. Um, But I can see how some Maz fans would be very comfortable giving up a first-round pick because, you know, you know, wanting to be in win-now mode and – but I just don't know if Conley adds enough to me. I would be I would be more comfortable giving that first round pick to the Jazz for Conley rather than Bogdanovich personally, just because Bogdanovich is on an expiring contract. I agree with that, um, and at the same time, I think the Mavs need playmaking and shooting slightly more than they need wing depth. I agree. But that's hard. It, it is hard. This is like a uh, this is a very difficult. You know, I think at the end of the day, I would say no. Um, if we're giving up the first round pick, but with Josh Green, I would definitely say yes. Okay. All right. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I guess because we're already talking about him, do you want to talk about Bogdanovich? Yeah, we'll take a, talk about Bogdanovich. So, how much is he making this year? Nineteen point five million on an expiring. On expiring, so we'd be. Shedding salary in a way. Okay, so two pathways I guess I could see to getting Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich would be one, just him for Tim straight up and a first. Yeah. Just very similar, just like the Conley ordeal. Or some sort of combination of Dwight, Josh Green, and Frank in like a second. Which I would personally rather do that. No, I. But I of course, of course, like, I don't know, like that. It's it's a it's a weird balance, um. Because yeah, I mean, you're giving up a lot to get an older guy who's on an expiring contract. Still gives you good minutes, but what? Like, I, I like Tim Hardaway and his role right now. Uh, so would you be willing to give up? Honestly, you're primarily primary defense or not defense jesus I, I just pretend i never said that <laughs> pretend i never said that uh your primary score off the bench for like we just said a guy that's about to be 35 
on an well, we don't know contract. if Christian Wood's coming off the bench, he might not be. Oh, okay, well, th- whatever. I know. What you mean. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's just there's, I don't know. Like it, some weird. There's some weird stuff that can go into it. Like it just depends on what Utah wants. Um, mm-hmm. just I would much rather give up Dwight. I think the Josh real big Green. question is has. Tim Hardaway recouped some positive value now that he's healthy after injury. Cause you know, obviously it was really hard to trade him at the trade deadline. Cause you know, he's completely hurt. Now he's healthy after injury and, you know, maybe teams can be look at his like first 30 or whatever games it was of the season before he got hurt and be like, okay, that was kind of just an anomaly. This guy was just giving us like, you know, 16, 17 points a game and, was shooting over 40% three in the playoffs versus the Clippers a year before that. It really kind of just depends on how teams look at Tim Hardaway Jr. in a lot of these instances. It, and I think it depends on what role he's playing. Mm. Like the money, the money wise, you look at the money and you say that guy's a starting caliber salary, at least. Um, like do you want 19 million coming off the bench? Again, like, I mean, it's basketball. Like you're going to have guys coming off the bench that make 16 million. Cough, cough, Davis Bertans. Um, but it's, it's like, yeah, it's just a value perspective, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, there, there's just, I guess here, I'll put the, I'll throw this out here. Would you give up Spencer Dinwiddie for any of these guys? No, no, not at all. Just because the Mavericks are losing too much ball handling and they're already so it's, there's a, they're just way too scarce on ball handling right now. Okay. All right. Because I feel like if you give up Spencer Dinwiddie, you can get away with not giving up a first or anything else. I agree, but I just think the Mavs are too hard for us to find another shot creator. If they give up Spencer, I mean – I don't know. You'd have to talk me into some sort of weird trade. or If they gave up Spencer and took back maybe like Malik Beasley and the Mavericks get maybe a future second, I I, I don't know. It's just getting uh, – I think he's too valuable ball handling-wise for the Mavericks to – yeah, like, I agree. I was just throwing it out there. Um, yeah, like I think, I think Boyan. I don't know. Like I feel like, like I want to say he's probably like the most gettable guy out here, but at the same time, like, no. There's a lot of names on here that are gettable. It's just I, I feel guess, like some contenders definitely gonna take a swing on Boyan. Yeah, exactly. Like the thing is, is like all, I think every one of these guys that we have listed are contending teams available. Jared Vanderbilt is the only outlier, I feel like. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, there's going to be teams. I mean, the Lakers are always in talks. So, there's going to be the Lakers, the Knicks. I hate saying the Knicks. Um, the Clippers. Like, they're going to be in talks of getting these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, I, I just think the Mavericks are a big suitor because they have a – if you want to go the center route, they have a center to offer, which the, the Jazz have a 
They need Lackluster. somebody to come in and mentor good old Walker Kessler. Exactly. Dwight Powell, I mean, he offers mentoring, and that's about it. So. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> um, I guess because I want to leave my most intriguing player for last. Um, mm-hmm. Let's go Jordan Clarkson. Okay. So you say he's making around thirteen million. So thirteen point three, yeah. Around there. Dwight Powell in the first for Jordan Clarkson. I, I think that's a comfortable give. I think you get like last year, was it two years ago? He was the sixth man of the year. No, but it was last year. Was it last year? Well, no, not technically. Who actually was sixth man of the year? Um this last season. Let me search it up uh, real quick, but go ahead and give your reasoning uh, as to why you would be cool with that trade. Yeah, I mean, two years ago, he was the sixth man of the year and pretty much unanimous sixth man of the year at that point. Um, So I think that alone varies him a first-round pick at least. Uh, And, you know, just in a math perspective from a team, you know, we don't have a guy off the bench that can facilitate and he's a guy that can do that and also score. And he has guys around him that can score like Tim Hardaway, Maxi Kleba. Uh, like I like the fit. I think he might be a little too much of a ball handler, like, or I guess ball hog. I don't know if you want to call it that. Um, well, just from the perspective that like, he's not the biggest distributor in the world. You know, no, but he has options to distribute. Yeah, but he is a shot creator. Exactly. He's not Which just a something... spot-up guy or a pull-up shooter. Like, he can get to his own spots and create shots. Like, we even saw it, glimpses of it in the Mavericks series. Like, he just make a – he'd just shoot a stupid three and it would go in. Like, mm-hmm. like, we see glimpses of it. And, of course, it was two years ago. Like, he was the guy to do that. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of maybe another – I think Dwight Powell in that first is really like the best or Dwight Powell and Josh Green. I think those are kind of like the best things that you can offer him without going too much over the money. Yeah. I mean, in um, all these scenarios, I'm much more comfortable giving up Josh Green than the first just because of the future flexibility reasons and the Mavs being so limited. And I feel like they need their first so bad in terms of making a future trade with Luca, but this is one you could talk me into giving up the first on if it's the 2027, not the 2025 first. Agreed. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's it with Jordan Clarkson. Like I like Jordan Clarkson. Um, again, I don't think he's my most intriguing guy, but if I got him or if we got him via trade, I would, I would definitely be really happy. Yeah. Um, just, I guess I might as well get Vanderbilt out of the way. Like I, he's my definitely most intriguing, but I think he's the hardest to get. Yeah. So Vanderbilt's only making like 5.3 million. So this would definitely be some sort of, you know, Maverick sending two guys back. Would you do Tim Hardaway Jr. for? Tim Hardaway Jr. in a first for Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. Salary is matching that, so yeah. Um, I would too. Do you think I would, the Jazz I would do that? I, 
Mm. They like, get a quarterback and they get a guy that can mentor some, you know, a capable scorer who can mentor their, you know, whatever their roster looks like after all this <laughs> kind of goes down. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what it's going to look like. Like, Beasley, I mean, he hasn't even played a game for the Jazz, so I don't know how valuable he is to them. Um, That's a good point. Like, I like it, but then again, like, Vanderbilt, I mean, I'm not saying he's a guy you can build around, but he's a guy that if you get a star-esque player in the draft that you want to have around him. He's a young guy. Uh, The potential's there. 3-and-D wing, but he he's shown flashes as, like, this kind of guy who can, you know, play make in the short role and things of that nature. Like, he has some – he has quite a bit of skill to him. Um, he's long. He's, like, 6'9". Yeah. So I, I agree. He He's a guy that you'd want to build around to your own guys. I, I think that they'll definitely keep him. But, you know, they the only reason we bring his name up is because he um, – some source said that everybody from the Rudy Gobert trade is up on the table for the Jazz. So, Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah, we have to. Trade. Yeah, I guess we have to include him. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to include Walker Kessler because I mean he was literally just drafted. So, but besides <laughs> that, um, um and I, I guess mean, gonna... also, what do you think of the value play for Beasley? Do you think Beasley is more or less valuable than Clarkson? And the only reason I ask that question is because he's like five years younger, and Clarkson's actually 30 years old, which shocked me today when I read that. And Beasley's only 25. Um, Value-wise, I'd rather have Beasley. Um, Just because of his age? Well, age alone, you could you could buy me on that too. Um, I think Clarkson provides more shot creation. Beasley's just the Mavericks good, need a little bit more. But I think Beasley is – He's just a good two. Like he's, he's a, yeah, he's a better spot-up shooter. And I mean, he he can he has really good he has a really good pull up game. And I mean, I don't think his it's all the way out the window that he can get a little better at shot creating. Yeah, like I I like Beasley. Um, I guess with that, like, what would you give up for Beasley? Like, I feel like you'd have to give up just Beasley straight up. Yeah. I don't. Since he's a little younger, I don't know how interested they'd be in, like, Dwight and Josh Green. Like, one guy that we're not throwing out here, he's kind of a tough contract to work around, but Davis Bertans. Like, yeah. Because they of, need a big, though. But Bertans, I mean, okay. not a big, but he is. The, the Jazz are solely looking to get picks. Davis and a first for Malik Beasley. I would for sure do that. Me too. Because, you know, I don't want to give up first-round picks. I think the value play there is irrefutable. And I think – You said a guy. guys like, are totally just looking to get picks because they got to pick out a Royce O'Neal. Yeah. I don't know what they're kind of, like, aiming for here. Like, if they just want to get picks, if they're wanting to take back young assets too. But, I mean, the money matches on that, I would definitely do it from the standpoint that you offload Davis's money – and you don't really lose anything. You're just giving up a pick. You're just adding Beasley to this rotation. You're adding another guard off the bench that you really like desperately and sorely need. And he's a guy that could start. Like that would be fun to see. I don't I don't know about for them, uh, but it would be fun to see how you swap Dinwiddie and Beasley and if they could play off each other. 
No, yeah, um, no, I, I, I agree. And like, if, you know, if Beasley's playmaking took another step, like, who knows? Like that, that's like there's a little. I mean, he's only 25, so there's a little potential there. Yeah, he, you know, kind of inevitably maybe enters his prime. So no, I, I, I agree. Those, that that's an interesting one. It's um, the more the more I talk about him, the more I like Beasley. Yeah, the more I like him over Clarkson, the more we talk about him. Yeah. No, I, um, I agree because you know he obviously had that scandal a uh, year, year and a half ago, or whatever it was. It kind of tanked his development. Before that, he was averaging almost twenty a game in Minnesota. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he gave really good mm-hmm. minutes uh, in the playoffs for them too. To no, 100%. That. Um, lastly, we'll get into Patrick Beverly. I feel like we've covered. I want to do. Yeah, let's do. Pat, let's get to Patrick Beverly. I think he's my most intriguing guy. Um, yeah, I feel like he's definitely the most gettable. Yeah, I think he's most the most gettable and my most intriguing. Because I don't even know – I don't think the Mavs would have to go up first to get him, I think. Because, you know, he's almost just redundant on this Jazz roster. I think, you know, the mentorship of Dwight Powell might just be – enough. because, I mean, the salaries match almost like Dwight Powell in a second for Patrick Beverly. Uh, I would pull the trigger on that in a heartbeat. Yeah, because, I mean, it gives you – a Tiny, you know, Patrick Beverly's not some sort of all-star playmaker, but he's an okay pick-and-roll ball handler. And, I mean, obviously, you know, he's going to be there to play defense and shoot threes. And the Mavericks, you know, can use that. And they need somebody to defend point guard as well. And, they, you know, it gives you another guard off the bench, even if he's not the shot creator that you're looking for. And they need the Mavericks just need guards in general. Yeah, exactly. Like, I like Beverly because, like you said, I think he's the most gettable guy. I don't think you have to give up a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I think a future – Future second and Dwight Powell would work out perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I like it. He he brings, you know, he's not elite playmaker um, or facilitator. He is a good uh, ball mover, though. And, he's he's a good ball mover. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he's on memes every year for – Yeah, it'd be, it'd be really funny to see him finally play with Luca after everything. But, you know, no, I'd, be, I'd be really interested in that. Yeah, Are there any other guys on the Jazz that you'd potentially be looking no, at? No, really no. Um, yeah. Jazz-wise, I, I do want to throw – let's just throw in big contracts here. Uh, Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich combined for Tim Hardaway Jr. and Davis Bertans in a future first. That's Very an interesting one. Yeah. Like, um, his salaries, I think you might have to throw in Frank Nielakino or Josh Green. Or Josh Green, you might have to do that. Um, like that's one I don't mind, but at the same time, I don't know. It depends on like, could you do that? Give them both Frank and Josh Green and take both those guys back because it just depends on like Connie Conley's value is just so hard to evaluate to me because. Does he have more negative value than some of the guys on the Mavericks? Like, does he have less yeah. value than Tim Hardaway Jr.? That's why. Yeah. Or, yeah, no, I mean, that's hard. I mean, I think I'd say yes, because you're getting off of Davis's money in return for that. And, you know, you're. Yeah. And we Boyan's don't know. going to be way better than Tim. Yeah. I was about to say, I was like, we don't know. Only adds another playmaker. No, I mean, Boyan's a capable defender, too. And, you know, he can create two to an extent and hit threes. Like that's that's clearing two a lot veterans of to this Mavericks team. Yeah. No, I mean I think I'd say yes to that. 
Um, it just really depends on like, I'm so confused as to what Conley's value is. That's going to be so interesting to me to see what, because I feel like he's definitely getting shipped out, obviously Mitchell leaves. So I'm really just interested to see that, but I mean, I, yeah, I I feel like you do the future first in there. I don't, I see the jazz saying yes, but that's a really interesting, good one. Yeah. Like I, I saw a similar trade to that. I don't think it was quite like that, but I just, that was one that it, it looks it looks like it would be good for both sides. Like I think I think that's the one that the Jazz. Yeah, yeah like, as long as the Jazz take back a pick in that, I feel like it's they, there's a chance. Yeah. Um, I mean, Boyan's a expiring contract. So in a way, the Mavericks are shedding money, mm-hmm. which isn't bad at all. And like you said, you're getting and off I mean, that the contract. Re- resigned, you know, he has the European ties with Luca. It doesn't. It doesn't. Fast, he resigns on like a one plus two or a two year deal or something like that. So yeah, no, no. I mean, I'd I'd definitely be interested. Do you have any other trades you'd like to throw up? Really, that was about it. Um, I feel like in a bigger trade like that, may not necessarily that Conley and Bogdanovich trade, but in some sort of trade capacity similar to that, is where you would see Vanderbilt and a Mavericks jersey. Yeah, if the Mavericks are giving up a first and Josh, if they're giving up a first and Josh, I could see Vanderbilt coming back. Yeah, because the Mavericks are pouring in a lot of assets at that point. I, I don't so know. Maybe if, if it was like, <laughs> okay, here's a good one. If the Jazz are seeing Conley as like a negative asset, right? Yeah, to an extent. Something like Conley and Vanderbilt for Tim, Josh, and a first. Like Conley and Vanderbilt for Tim, Josh. I like that. Yeah. Because honestly, like from a Mavericks perspective, how do you view Tim Hardaway? Like that's um, that's tough to judge. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, no, it's tough to see if he's recouped value after his injury, as we said. At the same time, like, I mean, I think he does serve value in – you know, the Mavericks are hyping up, him up a lot. I just don't know how much his value carries on to other teams across the league. Agreed. Yeah, that's – I mean, he means a lot to the Mavericks right now just because of their lack of offensive creation, even though I wouldn't even call Tim a shot creator. I mean, he's basically the only kind of guard the Mavs have off the bench right now. So, yeah. they're having to get somebody – if, you know, if they get somebody who can score, um, that's really all I'm looking for. So, if they took back Conley, then I'd have no issue with that. Really, that's all I have. Yeah, yeah, that's really it. Um, I hope we inspired some fake trades ideas. Those are just some of the things that we kind of got our minds working to in terms of what the Mavericks' flexibility could be in a Donovan Mitchell fallout if he gets traded. Um, if any of those don't work out math-wise, let us know. Come at This was at the top of our head. So Yes, we, were, we had the contracts out. We did not put every single one of these through the trade machine, but we are assuming most of those. I mean, I don't think any of those shouldn't work if I'm correct, but if there's any sort of um, any bluffs with any of those and definitely let us know, DM us on Twitter, add us, whatever, tell us how much wrong we are. We will be apologetic and we will get back to you guys on that. But besides that, that's going to wrap up today's pod. Um. We still do not have an outro, but that's a common roll. 
Yeah, it's um, a common trend at this point. Just expect it. Just expect it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll catch you guys on the next pod. Um, we may do a pod tomorrow night, but we're not for sure yet. But we'll definitely be doing one Tuesday regardless. So we'll see you guys in and mainstream Mavs out. Peace.